Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. How's the audio? We good? I think we're good. Okay, yeah, yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right, hopefully the audio is better right now. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, The Madman. And uh, I was just sitting here thinking about, like, what is the best prank that that Jim did to Dwight? And so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, and it's like, there's only two that pop in my head, and that's the the Bears beats Battlestar Galactica moment where, uh, Michael, you know, you know where uh, Jim, like, yeah, he just tried to uh, uh, mimic <laughs> Dwight, and that was pretty brilliant. But I think I have to say the best, the best prank was Asian Jim. All right, Asian Jim was probably the best prank Jim ever pulled. And so I'm just sitting here thinking, it's like if I had to rate them, because anyone who looks for this stuff up on YouTube is like, you type in the Office, is like the next thing that comes up is like Jim pranks. You know, it's like autocomplete almost says you, you probably want to see this. And I think Asian Jim is probably the best prank. So I was just trying to prioritize that in my mind before the show. Just a little mental aerobics to get me warmed up. So I want to uh, remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron. You can also email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. You can email me and I can answer your, your emails, your letters. I'll have a mailbag segment and throw you in it. Uh, also, if you have Cash App, you can go use the cash tag Shock Monkey Radio. All one word. I would appreciate it. You know, uh, I need it to help keep me in business. I would appreciate that very much. But I don't want to get too much into the shameless self-promotion. And so well, let's just get into the show. Uh, so Netflix thinks that I would like Cobra Kai. And sorry, Netflix, I don't think you even know I want my movies to be in English. And I tried, dear listener, I tried so hard to choke down Quantico. It is so awful. It is so bad. I don't even know if there's a single positive thing I can say about it. Wait. Uh, uh, Shelby Wyatt, or rather the actor uh, Johanna Bradley, is smoking hot. Those 5'3", 110-pound women are always sexy to me. What I don't think they could do is be an FBI agent. Sure, they could be. Uh, sure, they there could be uh, small and frail data miners, but when it comes to actual law enforcement, the running, gunning, and fighting criminals, someone that that small is a liability and not an asset. I am not saying there are not women out there that can do such things, but they are not likely to, due to the fact that sexual dimorphism is a thing that exists, regardless of what trans people say. Speaking of which, there are way. Too many women in the FBI in this show. And it seems that they are always in charge by virtue of their vaginas. And the men in the FBI, well, they're just beefcakes hanging around so the ladies have someone to bang on the side. The plots solely revolve around the female characters and the misandrist feminism oozing from this series makes me want to shit a book on how to puke from the estrogen overdose. And these women are underhanded bitches who think that such behavior makes them badass FBI agents. And if this series is in any way factual about how, how FBI agents are vetted and trained, the real FBI needs to go. 
needs to be disbanded. Seems like they only recruit bitchy, slutty, underhanded women, potential terrorists, and beefcakes for eye candy for the ladies. Not to mention, a certain amount of them can't be white. We gotta throw in a Muslim here and there. We gotta throw in someone who's gay. You gotta fill those quotas, I suppose. The series focuses on Alex Parrish, the worst kind of person who would want to join, who'd want a job in the FBI. She's a promiscuous busybody. Instead of focusing on her studies, she's all in everyone's business, telling them how to do their jobs as she is an FNG. And if she is, t- if she is telling a male character how right her gut is on an issue, by law of the script, she mu- he must defer to her, quote-unquote, instincts. You don't need pesky things like evidence as long as Alex Parrish has a hunch. Now, there's a boss of this FBI training academy, but she acts as though she's the director of the FBI and telling other people, like other people in other divisions, that you know, you're, you're not part of this job anymore. It's like, sorry, your responsibility is the FBI training academy. Nowhere else. Anyway, so uh, her name is Miranda Shaw, and uh, sexual politics and perhaps even the race card are the only reason this woman ever got a promotion. She's a black woman, and that's only relevant because the racist who, racists who wrote this show think her race and gender are relevant because it somehow justifies all of her illegal actions and underhanded tactics. They flat out say it in the show. Shaw has a conversation with Parrish about how, uh, how because they are women and minorities, they got to go low when they go high. They got to kick them when they're down because men are evil. Sure, that's not a direct, direct quote, but I am not exaggerating by much. That's how blatantly SJW and radical leftists this fictional FBI is presented as. Throw on top of it the fact that they are frequently bringing Democrat speakers for the FBI trainees and allow them, allow the trainees to get directly involved in whatever they're doing. Also, there, there are frequently lines such as, if we don't get this right, we'll be busting Palin's in Anchorage or something to that effect. Now, I have always heard that the real FBI was blatantly leftist, leftist, controlled by Democrats ever since Hoover died. But if it's anything like it's depicted in the show, the real FBI needs to go. Moving on, the music, the music in this show is awful, absolutely terrible. When I lived in my apartment, I had a neighbor on the other side of my north wall who was obviously a single, probably overweight woman who would blare her shitty tasted music sometimes. You know that caterwauling bullshit many women consider to be good music? Well, that is the soundtrack of Quantico. And what pissed me off more than anything in this show is the fact that the lyrics of this shitty music would frequently overlap with dialogue in scenes, which is insane. Are you trying to tell a story or are you just trying to hide shitty dialogue with shitty music? I feel like Jim Leahy all of a sudden. There's a relationship in the second season between a father and a daughter, and it seems like their dialogue is always reversed, always switched, because the father keeps deferring to the wisdom of his woke daughter. It doesn't make any sense at all. Plus, they're constantly jumping around through time, which, I mean, especially in the first season, and it's poorly executed, and there was no real clear ending in mind for the first season. Anyway, Quantico. I got only 10 episodes into the second season before I gave up. One of 13 stars. You made me want to get rid of the real FBI. But if you disagree with my assessment of this show, it's probably because my skin color and penis invalidates any opinion I might have. (coughs) Excuse me. So, 
in juxtaposition to Quantico, I had to watch something good. So I chose The Devil All the Time, and that's pretty damn good. Okay, nothing's perfect, perfect, of course, and the film is a slow burn, and that could turn a lot of people off right away. There's plenty of stupid people who think you need to start a movie with a glimpse of the third act just to keep uh, interest, but the truth of the matter is that every story begins in the mundane. Crimes, criminals, and the sins of the father transverse generations. So it's a slow burn, and, I th and that's a thing that people don't like sometimes. But the real thing that pissed me off about this movie is that it portrays the pious as if they are crazy or naive or a predator and there are no other categories of people who believe in God. That said, let's talk about the narration and the title. The narration is the star in this movie, in my humble opinion. It's rare to see a third-person omniscient narration, and I love such perspectives. It's quite common in literature, but in movies you don't see third-person omniscient a whole lot. The last time I can remember third-person omniscient is The Big Lebowski, where the narrator is played, it was, was uh, the acid flashback known as the cowboy, uh, played by Sam Elliott. You know he was the acid flashback, right? That the dude re refers to. Anyway, so in The Devil All the Time is on that level of greatness, in my opinion. That movie is on that level of great greatness. Obviously, The Big Lebowski is better because it's a comedy. But the narration in The Devil All the Time occasionally drops F-bombs uh, which sort of implies the third-person uh, third person omniscient perspective is not God, per se, but rather the devil all the time. But if the devil exists, so does God, and so the choice is obvious. But that's not really what the movie is about. The religious overtones are more juxtaposed to the actions of the characters, which lends itself to the classic argument about why God would allow such things to happen. Like they never heard of free will. And the religious overtones eventually fall back into the scenery of the story. It's very well done, and only a film that has a slow burn could pull that off. Now, let me talk about two actors who surprised me in this film. And that's Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson. Yep, Spider-Man and Edward Cullen are actually taking their job seriously. Tom Holland was quite impressive, to the point where I did not recognize him at first. Pattinson also had that effect on me at first, but his stiff face gave himself away. I think his face is too stoic and not expressive enough to be an actor. But all the same, I think he pulled off his role in that movie. And I don't want to say I'm leaving Teen Jacob right, right away, but I do see a glimmer of hope for the new Batman movie after what I've seen in The Devil All the Time with Robert Pattinson. So, how do I rate this movie? The Devil All the Time. 10 of 13 stars. It has everything you need for an excellent crime drama, but requires a little effort on your part. and doesn't make any beep beep beeps. Also, if I need to explain again how The Big Lebowski is a movie about religion and existentialism, just email me and I'll do it again. Walter is God, dude is Jesus, Jesus is a false prophet, and they deal with nihilists. Anyway, it doesn't beat you over the head with it like I Heart Huckabees, but, you know, it's more subtle. But if you want me to go over that again, just send me an email, madmanfxbgpr.com, and I'll, uh, I'll go over <laughs> the existential movie that is The Big Lebowski. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I think the members of the Justice League just need a hobby. It occurred to me the other day that uh, many JLA members need a hobby. Imagine Superman constructing a ship in a bottle. It's the perfect hobby for him. First of all, he doesn't need any special glasses for all that tiny and delicate work. work. 
but also it could teach Kal-El acute control over his strength and dexterity and perhaps help him pull his punches and remember that everything on this planet is as fragile as every stick of the SS Candor he put in that bottle. Wait a minute. You named the ship in the bottle the SS Candor? That's messed up, Superman. When it comes to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, I kind of think that she would be the opposite of me, being that I like collecting old and foreign coins. I bet Wonder Woman would be interested in collecting more modern money and currency, perhaps. She might pull out a photo album and say things like, oh, here's all the modern euros from five to 100 denominations with Monopoly money side by side for comparison. Oh, darn it. <laughs> I lost my notes. I lost my notes. You gotta give me a second. I gotta find Wonder Woman again. That's where I was in the notes. There's all these buttons on my, on my mouse and I, sometimes I hit one and it's go, it's back, go back. It's like, that's not what I wanted to do at all. So Wonder Woman have all this modern currency. Here it is. I want to go. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, yes. Or she collects modern coins, laughing at the modern coins and how they feel like plastic. Wonder Woman might be the kind of person who finds it interesting when coins cost exactly as much to make as the coins value. Think about that. <laughs> Maybe when you're uh, when uh, when it comes to the Green Lantern, when it comes to the Green Lantern, I bet he's a prankster. If you get back to the Watchtower after a tough mission, and then GL offers you an ice cold Heineken or a Bex, or a Rolling Rock, or a Dos Equis, only, only to find out that it's a fake, fake beer conjured by his magic ring. Ha ha ha, Green Lantern. Hawk girl, hang this ornament on the Christmas tree. Ho 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 ho, she thought it was a real Christmas tree. I think his powers sort of lend itself to pranks. Say the JLA needed to get everyone over to the embassy or something, and GL, Green Lantern, needs to get all the non-flyers over there, so he conjures up a comfy couch for them all to sit on. But once they're all seated on the couch, then he changes it into a bunch of tiny little cages and puts Mickey Mouse ears on them. That's what I mean. It's like, I think that Ash, uh, uh, Green Lantern could be the Ashton Kutcher of the J Justice League of America. You know, I think the Flash needs to take Ch Tai Chi. Or perhaps join a band. You know, learn to slow down and join the tempo at the rest of us <laughs> when it's important. You know, maybe Martian Manhunter collects old firefighting equipment. Think about it. <laughs> As for Aquaman, you know those uh, bass plaques uh, with the motion sensors on them that make you, that uh, when you walk by them, they turn and sing at you? I bet Aquaman will be tickled to death without those things. I bet he'd collect every single one he can get his hands on. Booster Gold could collect all the things he brought with him from the future because without them, he'd just be a regular guy. Um, as for Batman, well, he's a special case because the guy never relaxes. His hobbies, Batman's hobby, hobbies, are thinking of ways to take down each member of the Justice League just because they ran into body switchers and mind controllers a couple of times. If anything, the game around the Watchtower involving Batman would be trying to make Batman laugh. And Batman would be the kind of dick that pokes holes and logic holes in everyone's jokes just to keep himself from laughing. I don't know. If anyone lacks a sense of humor while wearing tights and a cape, it's Batman. Anyway, I don't think being in the JLA is a hobby. It's more like a part-time job. It's like joining a guild in a massive multiplayer online role-playing game. A hobby is cleaning up the streets of Gotham City by yourself when you feel like it. So no, Justice League, I am not accepting membership. I decline.
All right, that may be a short show today, who knows. Um, so I got one more thing I want to talk about before we get into the news worth knowing. And that's uh, all these rumors, all these rumors about a third party. <clears throat> uh, Trump's gone, Trump's gone, and so uh, there's all this talk about them starting a new party, uh, the Patriot Party. Oh, that sounds nice and pleasant. <laughs> but I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think third party is a good idea. I don't think you should build a party around a person. After all, my conservatism existed before Trump, and it exists. It will exist long after he's gone. All right? And plus, you know, I don't even like the guy. A lot of people don't. <laughs> you know, it's like you can act all surprised. You can act all surprised that, you know, oh, why'd he lose? I thought, I thought everyone loved him. Everyone voted for him. It's like, you know, there's plenty of people who didn't vote for him. That being said, I don't think that, you know, uh, you should start a third party and build anything around uh, Trump. Or, the, or your love of Trump. It's like, that's a cult of personality. And it's like, cult of personality is not a good thing. If you have issues you want to address, you can address them through the normal political parties. All right? AOC, as dumb as she is, AOC, as dumb as she is, she came into the party and just started spitting out ideas. I got ideas. They were stupid ideas. They were horribly stupid ideas, but she gave it a shot. You know? And I think that doesn't happen often enough on the uh, conservative side of the aisle. I don't think a lot of people are coming in there and say, hey, we need to get, we need to get more uh, transparency when it comes to our elections. Sure, after this last election, we need to like, have a little bit more oversight about what's going on with all these vote countings. You know, make sure that there is transparency when it comes to the, how the election is proceed, proceeds. You don't need to create a third party to bring that issue up in Congress. Okay? That could be achieved through those people that exist in those parties, Republican and Democrat. All right, and if you don't like the people who are in there now, vote them out. Vote them out. There's always another election coming up, and you can vote out those people that you think have been there too long, who are the swamp, because that's really what they're talking about. This third party, this patriot party that they're talking about, their concern is the swamp and the draining thereof. And I understand. I really do. There's a lot of corrupt money up in Washington. You know, Nancy Pelosi should not be that rich. Or is she, she married into it? I think she married into it. Anyway. But the point is, is that yeah, I don't think any of those people should be rich. You know, I want young idealistic people, Democrat or Republican. I don't care what their, what their political affiliation is. But if you're unhappy with what's going on in Congress, if you're unhappy with all the pork that goes into all these bills and suggestions and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, stimulus packages and stuff like that or executive orders, you know, if you're sick of all that, it's like you vote them out. You know, it's, your representation in Congress is far more important than the the presidential election, all right? Because the power it should not be, the power in Washington is not in the office of the president. It's, been, it's because of all these executive orders, the power of the executive branch has grown too big. And unfortunately, it's like, just like Congress, you know, they're not going to vote for a pay decrease for themselves, all right? And it's just like the presidency, the, a president is gonna come, isn't going to come, come into office, even Donald Trump, and say, is like, oh, I'm going to reduce the powers of my, I'm going to reduce my powers because it needs to be done. Nobody does that. R giving up power is not something anyone really does. <coughs> Luckily, the executive branch is something that rotates. You know, you get president, new president every four to eight years. It's the same way with Congress. But when you have somebody like Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden that had been in there for, like, spend their entire careers as professional politicians, that shouldn't be a career choice, all right? When I first played The Sims and joined the politics career track was a career choice, it's like, that can't be right. You shouldn't, that should, that's not a full-time job. 
Okay. <laughs> and if it is, it's like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing politics wrong. All right. It's not a full-time job. All you got to do, show up, listen, read the bills, vote on it. They don't even do that. Most of it is walking around glad-handing people and stuffing their pockets full of money. It's like, here's, you know, here's $50,000 if you th- consider voting this way on that bill. It's stuff like that. And if you're worried about stuff like that, there are channels through normal political means in order to fix that. All right? It, it's, it's, you're trying to change a system. You can't change the system. Work within the system to fix it. All right? It has, it has, it's built that way for a reason, so that you can change it from the inside. So you don't need a third political party. You don't need this patriot party. All right? I understand there's a lot of people out there that are disenchanted with both of the Democrats and Republicans. I get it. Democrats are getting a little crazy, and Republicans have always been a little wishy-washy and, like, slow to move their feet on anything. Like, even when uh, Republicans control Congress, I was hoping they would get some uh, uh, Section 230 reform of the Communication Decency Act, and so, like, my, my videos would come up higher on the list in search results. All right, but no, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time before that gets faced again. And so, what I want is young, young idealist Republicans going into Congress saying, "Hey, we need to re, uh, revise the Communication Decency Act." All right, because these people understand. And now, even though the Republicans that are in Congress now, they may f- understand that, and there may be vocal people like Ted Cruz who talk about uh, what's what's wrong with the Communication Decency Act and how big tech. How big tech is influencing our society in horrible, horrible ways. You know, maybe we need younger people who are going to go in there and say, right or left of the aisle, right or left of the aisle, say, hey, we need to do something about big tech because it's becoming a serious problem. Anyway, third party, bad idea. Trump, not worth forming a party over, okay? He's not that great. It's like, you guys, all all you fans of Trump, you know, you think he was so great. And he's like, he wasn't. He wasn't. I was forced to take his side as long as he was in that office. Now he's gone. Now I get to go back to hating him again, just like I did when he was on The Apprentice. He's a (laughs) douchebag. You can't, don't build a party around a douchebag. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get into the news worth doing. A little early, but it doesn't matter. So, uh, Mitch McConnell in stalemate over filibuster, paving way for power-sharing agreement with Schumer. So uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Monday set aside his demand that a provision providing the legislative filibuster be included in his power-sharing agreement with Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, paving the way for the upper chamber to officially form committees and start tackling major legislative issues on the Biden agenda. McConnell, 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 Republican from Kentucky, uh, decided to relent Monday, he said, after two moderate Democrats doubled down on their previous stances to support the legislative filibuster. You spit. The, uh, this almost certainly means that Democrats, many of whom said they wanted to get rid of the filibuster, won't be able to, uh, won't be able to do so for at least another two years. The filibuster places a 60-vote uh, procedural hurdle in the way of bills passing through the chamber t- uh, and is considered a hallmark of the Senate. Quote, I've been very clear with you guys, uh, Senator Joe Manchin, uh, the Democrat from West Virginia, said in response to reporters hounding him on his filibuster stance Monday, we've got to come together. So I do not support in any way the filibuster under any condition. It's not who I am. 
oh, doing away. I We've got to come together, so I do not support doing away with the filibuster under any condition. That's not who I am. That's what Senator Joe Manchin said. <coughs> Excuse me. The Washington Post, meanwhile, suggested Monday that Senator Kristen uh, Sinema, a Democrat from Arizona, uh, would be open to getting rid of the legislative filibuster. Uh, the spokesman for her office pushed back, uh, telling the paper that she is against eliminating the filibuster and she is not open to changing her mind about the elimination of the filibuster. Uh, the media attention on the filibuster, how many times am I going to say filibuster? Because McConnell held up uh, Senate business businesses over the, over the issue, extracted two on-the-record statements from Democrats in favor of the filibuster. This likely will give McConnell leverage in the future if Schumer aims to get rid of it as many, of other, as many other Democrats have, suggest, have suggested. Today, uh, quote, today, two Democratic senators publicly confirmed that they will not vote to end the legislative filibuster, McConnell said on Monday. They agree with President uh, Biden's and my view that no Senate majority should destroy the right of future minorities of both parties to help shape legislation. He added, the legislative, legislative filibuster, ugh, spitting all over the place, uh, legislative filibuster was a key part of the, founding, uh, of the foundation beneath the Senate's last 50-50 power sharing agreement in 20, uh, 2001. <laughs> uh, with these assurances, I look forward to moving ahead with the power sharing agreement modeled on that precedent. Schumer, Democrat from New York, uh, who had called McConnell's filibuster demand extraneous and unacceptable, claimed his own version of a win. Politician. Quote, we're glad McConnell threw in the towel and gave up, this ridicu- gave up on his ridiculous demand, a Schumer spokesperson said on Monday. Uh, we look forward to organizing the Senate under Democratic control uh, and start getting big, bold things done for the American people. Can't wait to spend our money. Uh, many in the left wing of the Democratic Party have advocated that Democrats should end the legislative filibuster uh, for months or more in order to pass legis- legislation on liberal priorities. Quote, the filibuster is giving a veto to the gun industry, a veto to the oil industry, a veto on immigration, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts, said in her presidential campaign. If we want to make progress, it's time to end the filibuster. Okay. Republicans have warned that Democrats might also pass uh, priorities like statehood for Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., or pack the Supreme Court. The immediate result of McConnell laying off on his stance is that the Senate will be able to come to what he calls an organizing resolution. <laughs> this is essentially a set of ground rules of how, for how the Senate will work in the next two years. Uh, no agreement between McConnell and Schumer is public yet, but they have said they are modeling their talks off the 2001 agreement between the then-Republican and Democratic leaders. Should it be Democrat leaders, the Republican and Democrat leaders? Is that how it's? I don't know. That was the last time the Senate was split 50-50 between Republicans and Democrats. Likely, there will be an equal number of Republicans and Democrats on each committee. Rules will allow bills to make the floor even if it uh, receives tie votes in the committees. Notably, Democrats will, uh, will almost certainly be the chairs of Senate committees under the agreement. According to the Senate's uh, awkward state of limbo over the past few weeks, Republicans were the chairs of committees, even though Schumer was a majority leader, uh, with his 50-member caucus, plus Vice President Kamala Harris, to break ties on votes that fall along party lines. But that's what's interesting about votes uh, that come up in the Senate, because uh, it, it could frequently come to a tie. And if there's two people, two Democrats, or two, like even two, two on either side, who don't agree with their party, you know, that's, that's enough. That's enough to, to keep something from being pushed through. And I think that that's a good thing. 
You know, if you have just two Democrats who like who make up their minds and say, hey, it, you only even, even need one. Make up their minds and say, hey, we don't think this is a good idea. We shouldn't be like erasing stuff in the Constitution. Anyway, with committees formed and rules of legislation in place, the Senate will be able to tackle some of the major, uh, some more thorny issues it's avoided in the past couple weeks. It hasn't taken up any major legislation or controversial nominees. Instead, of, instead has ushered through some of President Biden's less polarizing cabinet appointments, especially those related to national security. <coughs> Excuse me. But as the Senate works, uh, begins working on uh, Biden's major priorities, like his $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief proposal, Republicans will likely have the juice, thanks to the filibuster, to extract major concessions from Democrats. The Senate, once it is organized, will only have limited time to get done some of its more critical business as the impeachment trial for the former President Donald Trump looms second, in the second week of February. More broadly, the standoff could be a harbinger of things to come in the Democrats' tenuous government trifecta with a historically thin Democratic majority in the Senate and little room for error in the House. That is a very, I like that sentence. That's a very aesthetically pleasing sentence. More broadly, the standoff could be a harbinger of things to come in Democrats' tenuous government trifecta with a historically thin Democratic majority in the Senate and little room for error in the House. I don't know. It's just pleasing to me. Anyway, uh, Schumer told Punchbowl News on Monday that there's, a, there's huge anger in my caucus at McConnell, at McConnell over his decision, decision to hold up the power-sharing agreement. He also told Punchbowl that he's not letting Mitch McConnell dictate how the Senate runs. There may be anger, as Schumer said, but at least two of the members of, the, of his caucus, uh, Manchin and, and Sinema, backed McConnell's calls, calls for preserving the filibuster. Uh, you may say it's a waste of time, the, the filibuster. I don't think. I, I think it's quite important. Uh, it protects minorities from the minority. I hate saying that because people always think, well, look, you mean black people? It's like, no, the minority opinion and, you know, the minority in the House or the Senate, you know. And I think the filibuster protects that from people pushing, ramming, ramming stuff down your throat that you don't want to deal with based upon a, sure, a sheer, simple majority. And I think that that's a good thing. It's like a 60-vote majority. Uh, I mean, it's not like two-thirds majority, you know, but a 60-vote majority, uh, it, it means that something must, must get done. And I think that that's a good thing. You know, a bare, a bare majority, like if 51% of people think we should do something, that means it's bad for 49% of people. And I think that that's, uh, that's why the filibuster exists. That's why the founding father, fathers included it. And I opened that article twice. I'm an idiot. Let's go on to the next story. Uh, pipeline worker slams Biden for canceling Keystone XL pipeline, like a kick in the stomach. Anyway, so a pipeline worker who has worked in the industry for 53 years is speaking out against President Joe Biden's cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, it's like, quote, it's like a kick in the stomach that knocks the wind out of you. Guy Williams, who would have been an inspector on the project, told Steve Ducci, is it Ducci, Ducey, or Ducci, Ducci? <laughs> Steve Ducci? Anyway, on Fox and Friends on Tuesday. So I don't watch Fox and Friends, so I'm not an idiot. And, um... Uh, Quote, we waited on this pipeline for 10 years. The president signed an executive order last week revoking the March 19th permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. The project is expect, was expected to create approximately 13,000 high-paying union, <clears throat> union jobs in the U.S. And, and Canada, according to an October 2020 report. Quote, the, U, the United States must be in a position to exercise vigorous climate leadership in order to achieve a significant increase in global climate action and put the world on a sustainable climate pathway. The order reads in part, quote, leaving the Keystone XL pipeline permit in place 
would not be consistent with my administration's uh, economic and climate imperatives. In response, Williams pointed to several environmental studies done by those involved in the project to ensure its safety. Quote, we've done every, environment, every environmental study known to mankind, have, have, have done them and done them over again, Williams said. Trust me, we've done our due, due, due diligence. <laughs> uh, we know what we're doing right now. You know, just let us go do it, he added. Uh, Williams, who is a second-generation pipeline worker, thought of his grandchildren saying Biden should look, in their, look into their eyes and tell them about the executive order. God damn it. Uh, quote, you come, you come look at them in the face, you'd tell them that. You know, I just, with one stroke of the pen, killed 11,000 11, high-paying jobs, Williams said. Uh, Williams questioned those that were, uh, who were expecting to work on the project would be able to find jobs. Quote, I have no idea, Williams said. I live in a predominantly farming community in the Louisiana Delta land. There's basically no industry whatsoever there. Uh, yeah, but you've been working in the business for 53 years, man. I think, that, I, think, I think there's probably jobs available other than the Keystone XL pipeline. <clears throat> I understand that you probably had a contract. Uh, you're waiting to get to work on it and so forth. And I don't know if you're getting paid up to then or you had to be like waiting I don't know how those contracts work, especially if you've been waiting for 10 years to start a, start a project like this. And if you've been waiting that long, I mean, I don't know. Were you working it at the same time? I don't, see, I don't know. I don't know how this works. So I, what I mean is that, you know, I don't think that 11,000, 13,000 jobs is a whole lot in the grand scheme of the nation. What I do think is important, I, I think the XL, uh, the Keystone XL pipeline is important because it helps... Uh, reduce energy costs in the United States and Canada. I mean, th I think even Justin Trudeau was pissed off about it, if you care about him or Canada. And so uh, it, 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 costs, it costs us money. It's going to make gas prices go up and stuff like that if we don't do this thing. Uh, fracking has done a great job. It's caused America to become an exporter of petroleum products for like the first time in ever. And so I think the XL, Keystone XL pipeline is also a good thing for both U.S. and Canada. And our relations is going to make, it's, you know, it's going to be a rising tide that lifts all ships in North America. That being said, 13,000 jobs, I, I think it's, I, I find it distasteful when anyone says, you look in my kid's eye and you tell them we're not going to eat because we don't have this job. <coughs> That's distasteful. <coughs> Scratchy throat. I've been kind of like a dry throat thing going on. It's this cold weather. Makes everything dry, ashy. Makes your skin ashy. Anyway, let's go on to talk about Tulsi Gabbard a bit because she's a cutie. Yeah, and uh, Tulsi Gabbard slams Shift, Brennan, and Big Tech as more dangerous than the Capitol rioters. You know what makes her hot? Her brain. Okay, so former Representative Tulsi Gabbard, Democrat from Hawaii, asserted that tech in industry leaders and Democrats, uh, Democrats. <laughs> such as Representative Adam Schiff from California, the highest paid government employee, and former CIA Director John Brennan as domestic enemies of the U.S. who are more dangerous than the rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol building on January 6th. In a video and thread posted to Twitter Tuesday morning, the former Democratic presidential candidate denounced that violent protesters denounced the violent protesters, but warned that efforts to combat insurgency through surveillance and other monitoring activities posed a greater threat to our country. Quote, the mob who stormed the Capitol on January 6th to try to stop Congress from carrying out its constitutional responsibilities were behaving like domestic enemies of our country, Gabbard said. 
But let's be, let's be clear that John Brennan's, the Adam Schiff's, and the oligarchs in big tech who are trying to undermine our constitutionally protected rights and turn our country into a police state with the KGP-style surveillance are also domestic enemies and much more powerful and therefore dangerous than the mob that stormed the Capitol. Gabardi for the win! Oh, I said Gabardi. Gabardi is my <laughs> mage in World of Warcraft. Ga- <laughs> She's a fire mage. <laughs> I made that character when she was first started running. Like, so I, I, I don't want to call it Tulsi, so I called it Gabardi. Anyway, so Gabard. <laughs> I can't get around it. Gabbard then showed a clip of Brennan telling MSNBC that Biden's nominees and appointees are now moving in laser-like fashion to try to uncover as much as they can regarding activities they said were reminiscent of insurgency movements that have risen up in other countries. Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, that terrifies me. Having worked in intelligence, that terrifies me. Anyway, he introduced a bill in uh, 2019 that would create a new statute for a federal offense uh, of domestic terrorism. The bill did recognize the potential for abuse, calling for a report on civil liberty issues that would arise from the new statute being made public within four years of the bill's passage and enactment. Another 2019 bill, sponsored by Senator Dick Durbin, the Democrat from Illinois, calls for establishing offices in the Justice Department, FBI, and Department of Homeland Security that would, quote, analyze and monitor domestic terrorist activity. Since the January 6th riot, lawmakers in Washington have once again been considering a domestic terrorism bill, leading civil rights groups <laughs> to push back, claiming that federal authorities already have the tools in which they need to stop criminals without giving them additional powers. As I'm in the middle of that paragraph, the thought popped in my mind. It's like, you know what, why don't you just reopen everything? <laughs> Let these people go to work and then boom! You get a huge drop-off of people hanging around the streets burning shit down. And <laughs> Go get a job. And I was like, oh, fun time's over. Anyway, so since the riot, okay, I read that already. Uh, At the same time, social media companies like Twitter and Facebook have been blocking accounts that they say have posted inflammatory comments, that they say have posted inflammatory comments, including those of former President Donald Trump. Fire Mage Gabbard called upon Biden and lawmakers from both parties not to allow measures that would infringe upon Americans' rights in the name of law enforcement. Quote, President Biden, I call upon you and all of Congress from both parties to denounce efforts by Brennan and others to take away our, to take away our civil liberties endowed to us by our creator and guaranteed in our Constitution. If you don't stand up for them now, then our country is in great peril, she said. Tulsi, baby, you need to get on a plane. You need to come and fly into Washington, Dulles, rent a car, start driving south. About an hour south and you hit Fredericksburg, you need to give me a call. And then we are going to go get a hotel room, and I am going to shake your hand and say, you are the most beautiful and awesome person ever, and can I please have sex with you? Because there's nothing, nothing hotter, nothing hotter than a woman like Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, she's a Democrat, but nobody's perfect. You know, I mean, I may be a staunch Republican, but it's not like I say I wouldn't date a Democrat. You know, I'm flipping through Tinder earlier, and it's like, like Trump supporter, swipe left. And I was like... Like I don't, I haven't even met you yet. <laughs> We're gonna start talking about politics right away. It's like I'm just trying to get my dick wet. You know what I mean? Anyway, let's go on to this next story. Uh, Las Vegas. This is a sad one. All right, so brace yourself. Las Vegas schools pushing to get students back quickly following a rise in suicides. A report says. <laughs> 
Clark County School District is monitoring its students' activity for any suicidal thoughts. So <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack in this. So um, here's an editor's note that I want to repeat. Uh, this is courtesy Fox News. It's an editor's note that I want to repeat because it's important. Editor's note, this story discusses suicide. If you or anyone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. It's always better to talk it out. T go talk to somebody. It's like, this is very important. I just, I'm, I'm on the editor's side. It's like, eh, Fox News, you're kind of a dick lately. But I agree with you on this. <laughs> I agree with you on this. All right, here's the story. A substantial uptick in student suicides has prompted the nation's fifth largest school district to start bringing children back into the classroom as soon as possible, despite high numbers of coronavirus cases and deaths, a report says. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the Clark County School District, which serves Las Vegas and other cities in Nevada, is now formulating a plan to allow some elementary grade, uh, in elementary grade and struggling youth to return to classrooms following 18 suicides amongst its student body between March and the end of December. This past year. This is from the New York Times that reported this. That number reportedly was twice the amount as the district recorded uh, in the entirety of 2019. So we're talking about like elementary school, middle school, kids committing suicide? That's sad as fuck, man. I mean, I was depressed as hell at 15. And I even, I thought I wanted to kill myself then. But I said, hey, you're, you're still 15. Give life a little bit more, double it. And it was after I was 30 where I tried to kill myself. And that was a bad idea. That was a bad idea. Don't do anything like that, kids. Call the national hotline. Quote, uh, when we started seeing the uptick in children taking their lives, we knew it wasn't just the COVID numbers that we need to look at anymore. Yeah, because COVID has something to do with people killing themselves. It has to do with the fact that all this crazy lockdown stuff, kids are all scooped up and shit. Sick of playing Fortnite. Are kids play Fortnite anymore? I think they do. Uh, this is what Jesus Jara, or Jesus Jara, the superintendent of the district, told the Times. Quote, we have, we have to find a way to put our, put our hands on our kids to see them, to look at them. We've got to start seeing some movement, some hope. There's got to be a better way to say that, dude. Uh, Clark County, like many school districts across America, has shifted to remote learning this academic year due to the continued spread of the coronavirus. Lazy-ass teachers. But, this, but the district is trying to assist students who might be having difficulty adapting. You know, like kids who want to actually learn. It's uh, teachers who have been trained to spot trauma cues on screens. Uh, school psychologists have been working overtime, and truancy officers have been tasked with conducting wellness checks. The Times reports. The Times reports. Yeah, I bet the truancy officers have been busy. Uh, last summer, the district also poured resources uh, into the Go Guardian Beacon Alert system. The technology scans student writing and search activity on school-issued iPads and notifies officials of any uh, ongoing mental health episodes or suicidal thoughts, according to the newspaper. During a stretch from June 2020 to October 2020, the program generated more than 3,100 uh, 3, alerts to Clark County administrators, it added. Quote, I couldn't sleep with my phone nearby anymore, Jara told the Times. It was like a 24-hour reminder that we need to get our schools open. In one case, in November, a 12-year-old Clark County student... <sighs> was reported to have made, made an attempt to take his own life. Jesus. The district sprang into action after the child searched for how to make a noose on a school iPad, according to the Times. The boy's father, on the night of the incident, went to sleep around 7 p.m. In, uh, in the preparation, I almost said penetration, for early morning work shift. 
but school officials won't, uh, weren't able to get through to him on the phone until 10 p.m., according to the newspaper. The father then went to his son's room and found a noose fashioned out of old shoestrings around his neck, the report said. Jesus. Quote, he is having a hard time functioning in this isolation, the child's grandfather told the Times, describing how the boy, despite doing well in school, was zoomed out and kept, he sa- kept saying he missed his friends. Quote, it goes against everything he is. There has to be an option of letting these kids go back to school. At least 68 Clark County schools have also uh, participated in the face-to-face counseling program that has resulted in 30 interventions in situations where students are contemplating suicide, the Times reported. The Clark County School District, as of the academic year prior to the onset of the coronavirus, says that it, more, it serves more than 320,000 students and has 360 schools. The district's limited uh, reop- reopening plan cited by the Times was approved by its board of trustees in mid-January, although the timeline is still being finalized. Jara, uh, speaking to reporters on January 15th, said late February or early March is a good target for uh, bringing students back for academic and mental health support, according to Las Vegas Review-Journal. A behavioral risk survey released by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention last year also noted that the percentage of students saying they felt persistent feelings of sadness uh, or those who have planned and attempted suicide has steadily risen in the last decade, the Times reported. Uh, Fox News reached out to Clark County Schools and CDC for further comment. It's, it's, it's so sad to me to think of a 12-year-old wanting to end their life. That's so sad to me. And you know what? It's just like the rest of us. It's like, yeah, we may be older and stuff like that, but we're cooped up too. You know? We're cooped up too. And so in many ways, these kids are the canary in the coal mine for us. All right? The coal mine being all this lockdown bullshit. All right? It's time to start opening things up. It's time to start getting back to work. The vac- vaccines are going to start rolling out. And it's, you know, once everyone start, starts working again, you can go out to restaurants again, you know, and these kids can play with their friends outside. You know, once all that starts up again, you're going to find a lot of stuff's going to start getting better very quickly. And bear in mind, that has nothing to do with the administration that's in power. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with the fact that, you know, we start reopening this stuff so that kids stop killing themselves. Moving on. New York Restaurant Association demands reopening of indoor dining in New York City. Later curfew as other sister, uh, cities ease restrictions. So, hey, there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. As more, as more states and cities reopen indoor dining rooms, New York City restaurateurs are asking officials to do the same. The New York State Restaurant Association is calling on Governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo to allow limited indoor dining and extend the 10 p.m. curfew to 12 a.m. for restaurants in New York City, particularly ahead of the Super Bowl, which many bars and restaurants are desperately relying on for profit. Uh, New York State Restaurant Association, which represents thousands of restaurants, said in a press release they are making changes to state restrictions uh, that will give restaurants in New York City the opportunity for more business, for more business, and allow upstate restaurants to seat additional uh, to, to seat an additional service that is not available under, under current curfew restrictions. "Quote: We all know we are. Uh, we all know about the dire financial crisis facing the restaurant industry. We all agree, and we all agree that we need to reopen the economy, or there will be nothing left to reopen." We're urging the state to take some small steps in that that direction. Any help will go a long way towards long-term survival of so many of our favorite restaurants. Melissa, forgive me, Fleischit, president and CEO of the New York Restaurant, uh, NYSRA, said in a statement. 
Uh, Cuomo announced Monday that New York will start making adjustments to COVID-19 imposed dining restrictions. However, eating indoors in New York City is still not on the table. Quote, the indoor dining in New York City and New York City specific condition is a New York City specific condition and we're not at this point contemplating any changes, Cuomo said. Restaurant owners argue that bars and restaurants in New York State were the cause of only 1.4% of COVID-19 cases spread between October and December of 2020. However, New York says the Big Apple's dense population fosters the potential spread of the virus. Still, a number of cities such as Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Philadelphia reopened its dining rooms in recent weeks. Philly restaurants were allowed to open for indoor dining as of January 16th at 25% capacity with safety measures in place. Restaurants across Chicago and neighboring suburbs on Saturday were allowed to reopen for indoor dining after Governor uh, Pritzker gave the official green light, welcoming back customers uh, for eating in dining rooms after more than two months. In Washington, D.C., indoor dining resumed Friday after Mayor Muriel Bowser lifted the ban that was slated to end on January 15th. And nearby in Baltimore, indoor and outdoor dining resumed Friday with a 25% capacity on indoor dining and outdoor dining at 50% capacity with, uh, with customers adhering to one-hour time limit for their sit-down dining. Hold on a second. And in nearby Baltimore... Okay, Washington, D.C. and nearby Baltimore. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> uh, restaurants across the country continue to struggle with revenue losses as a result of the pandemic. Restaurant and food service industry sales dropped by uh, $240 billion in 2020 and $899 billion in the... F Whoa. From $899 billion in the food and drink sector closed out in 2020 with nearly 2.5 million jobs before the pre-pandemic levels, according to the National Restaurant Association's State of the Industry report. You got you to reopen. You got to. Uh, you know, all these other cities. And, and you know, Andrew Cuomo, what a D-bag. You nipple-pierced D-bag. Anyway, last story before we get out of here. Uh, Portland driver goes on a deadly rampage. Good Samaritans pin suspect down for the cops. <coughs> Excuse me. In <clears throat> a Portland, Oregon driver was arrested Monday after striking multiple pedestrians across several blocks, killing one and hospitalizing five others, police said. One person described it one person described as a woman in her 70s was critically injured and later died at a hospital, the Oregonian reported. Five other people were taken to hospitals with non uh, non-critical injur injuries. Portland Fire and Rescue said. Additional victims were not taken to a hospital, the, the Portland uh, Police Bureau said during a news conference. Uh, witness Larry Wolf told the newspaper that he was meeting a woman for an appointment of some kind. <laughs> I didn't want to get into specifics. Uh, when he saw her get hit by a car, he said he walked over to her and saw the vehicle come back and hit her again before making a U-turn and leaving. The Portland Police Bureau said it received calls at about around 1 p.m. about someone hit by a vehicle near uh, Laurelhurst Park at around 1 p.m. Uh, Officer Derek Carmen told reporters, as officers were responding to the hit and run, they received more calls about the same vehicle hitting other people and vehicles. Authorities, authorities did not confirm how many cars were struck. Police said that there were multiple crime scenes. The suspect, who was not identified, eventually crashed a vehicle and fled on foot, police said. He was held by several community members until police arrived. So he crashed the car, and the like, bystanders came up and held him for the cops. That is dope. You know, I, I could talk all the trash I want about po Portland, Oregon, but there are good people living there, all right? There are good people living there. 
It was like, you could talk all the trash you want about, you know, what's going on in Portland and what's going on in Portland over the last year. But there are, there are p- good people everywhere in this country. There are good people everywhere in this country. You shouldn't go around <laughs> hitting and running people with your car. All right? And just like any vehicular uh, chase or anything like that, it ends up with them crashing. Car doesn't move anymore, and the, they have to get out on foot. And then there are people that said, how many did they say? How many did they say? Where is it? I didn't say how many people. He was held by several community members. So several can I think between anywhere between five and nine. I think <laughs> I'm always confused about like several and few. I think few is between three and five. Couples, it's like two, generally two. Anyway, but you're talking about like four or five people who like physically restrained a person as a citizen. Knowing, like, no, 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 you need to talk to the cops about what the fuck you just did. And God bless those people in Portland. God bless those uh, citizens. Say, hey, you know, it's not like they pulled him out of the car and stopped him from hurting anyone else. He, he was done. He was done hitting people with the car. But they held him anyway. Say, so you need to face justice, my friend. God bless them for doing so. Anyway, so this is going to be the end of the show. I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it. Also, if you're watching a video on YouTube or something like that, please like, share, and subscribe. Leave me a comment below. And, you know, I might comment back because I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I'm that kind of bored. So I might do that as well. Also, I have a cash app. Use the hashtag ShockMonkeyRadio. All one word. I would appreciate that as well. Help keep me in business. It's very important the way things are going right now. I really, really would appreciate it. So, yeah, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you.